Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Use one of our ideas and gain 25 entries into our grand prize draw. Eunice! I'm not sure that we have, like, a good use of 25 entries. Like, come on! No, I mean, like, actually taking one of our ideas and writing it is definitely, like, worth a lot, right? Because, like, that's a lot of effort and it's a big thing. So I've I decided suppose. 25. Do we count it if it's, like, a short story or is it only if they do a whole thing with it? Oh, that's true. Okay, if it's if it's like a one shot, that's not twenty five entries. But if you like write a novel or like a web serial, that gets a decent length. That'll be twenty five. If it's like a one shot, I'll just say let's say five. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, anyways, is there anything wrong with 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 the entry draw draw entry inflation? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> not really, because uh, as we noted in the last episode, this grand prize draw is in fact fake yeah but even if it was real real. i mean if it was real yeah there wouldn't be a problem with that but so yeah it's fine i just really want somebody to use one of our ideas because that'd be cool i've used some of them but you know yeah you don't count (laughs) exactly (laughs) you're not a listener okay um let's introduce ourselves hi my name is eunice i uh i'm the author of Fantasia, and Eternosaurus, and uh, I'm really bad at driving. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, some have called me Athea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some have, not everyone. Uh, author of Rune and Metagame and a number of other things. Like I uh, have implied several times, a bunch of short stories that I'm working on, but that's under a different name. So mysterious. We're two very different kinds of busy authors, you know? Eunice is busy with other things. I'm busy with... I've got stuff that I'm writing already. I'm busy with things, yeah, that have nothing to do with writing. Exactly. And shall re- remain unnamed and mysterious because, you know, that's my style. <laughs> that's not really your style at all. That's my style, maybe. Uh, no, I mean, I guess I'm pretty open about most things. But, you know, it's that's more of a camouflage to hide the stuff that I really want to be mysterious about. <laughs> there. Okay. Okay. Now that we've revealed Eunice's grand uh, trick to the world. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> good luck figuring what that stuff is. Um, let's move on. <laughs> so, this week is um, my turn to bring an idea. And uh, I wanted to do something that came up in a conversation the other day where there's a kind of like a robot slash cyborg whose job is to like be a medic and they're kind of like you know very good technically but um pretty hilarious when it comes to things like providing emotional support and things like that and be like patient is in distress administering hug (laughs) and Uh, Things of that nature. Okay. I suppose the first question to ask is, are they actually bad at it, or is it just super alien to them? So, like, are they bad at it and people outside of them can tell? Or are they 
okay at it, but like internally it's super alien and like uh, doesn't really make any sense. Well, I'd say they were initially a little bit awkward at it, but uh, over time have gained experience in getting good at it. Uh, so, you know, in terms of providing emotional support, like the way that they think about it is very not what most people think about it when they're like, oh, this person needs a hug. Uh, but, but like, it's effective. And, like, you know, the patients like this robot slash cyborg. Right, right. <laughs> Probably a robot, uh, just given that a cyborg would have had experience as, you know, a biological being. Well, it's like, uh, well, I guess it's based, like, you know, the inspiration that I got this from is from this series called The Murderbot Diaries, where the main character is a security robot, but, like, they call them a robot, but, like, they have, like, organic components, so they're kind of a cyborg. They might have, like, a brain, but they weren't born, like, they didn't start out fully human and then, like, get robot parts. I mean, in that case, I would usually call them, like, a robot if they're, like, base-level thought processes are on metal. Well, not metal, but, like, you know. Mm-hmm. If their base-level thought processes are inorganic, mm -hmm. then I would probably go ahead and call them a robot. Okay. If they had base-level thought processes that were organic that later got, like, merged onto mm -hmm. inorganic thought processes, then I'd probably call them a cyborg. Okay. I don't know. I'm imagining they have half electronic and half organic brain because there's certain things that technology still hasn't figured out how to replicate well in terms of thinking well i mean there's quite a few of those yeah but uh there's a there's a there is a like a, a computer like part so they they still have like you know a perfect memory for things that they want to remember and stuff like that okay so they're Essentially half robot and half something. I really relate to half robots, you know? <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to bring it up. I just really relate to it. I was like, not quite full robot, but half robot. Definitely very relatable. <laughs> okay, okay. So, did you have, like, anywhere specific you were planning to take that? Or were you just going to drop this robot medic thing in and, and call it good. Well, I mean, I assume they're, like, on some kind of spaceship going to remote areas, and that's why, like, they would send a robot instead of having, like, a human doctor around. Like, it's not <laughs> worth it enough. I see, I see. Yeah, I assume it's, like, dangerous. It's like the, the half-trained doctor who's less likely to die is who you send on this mission. But it's it's not really like maybe not even trained. less likely to die. They just care less if they died. Yeah, like I don't. It's like a lot. A, I think a lot of people like prefer to have a human doctor, but like it's not like this character is like worse technically at any procedure that a doctor can do, right? They do it perfectly every time. Maybe they even download specialist knowledge 
so they count as more specialists. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, they're constantly like updating their data stores based on the latest research that's come out or whatever. Like, they'll never make any kind of technical error in, in that sense. And always, like, provide the best evidence-based care. But, you know, people don't, they're like, well, I want a human, I want a human doctor. <laughs> I mean, in a society that has progressed to the point where they have these, like, half-robot, half-biological, um, well, half-biological robot, because they weren't, like, originally human or anything, so... Yeah. This half-mechanical, half-biological robot, um... In a society that has the ability to make... Would they have that bias? Yeah, because... Well, not everyone, but, like... It's kind of like, um... Uh, you know, like, the way now we can make, like, artificial diamonds that are chemically identical to diamond, because diamond is diamond, but, like, there's still a trade of quote-unquote natural diamonds and they're just much more expensive um it's just it's so yeah but that's like an artificial monopoly and advertising thing that doesn't that doesn't count well yeah i'm sure once these robots name a different name a different industry one that's not so heavily monopolized by advertisement and selling to people who don't actually understand what things are worth yeah but (laughs) i'm sure once these robots came onto the market the people who wanted to keep their jobs, you know, started saying bad things about them and making it sound like it was questionable whether they would provide good quality care and so on and so forth. So there's a certain... Damn capitalism. Perpetuating capitalism. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I, you know, like some people... It's utterly unnecessary at that point, by the way, because it's like, if everybody could lose their job, that means that, you know, there exists enough to support everybody without necessarily doing every job, which means that, like, people don't need to work anymore, which is what they should be allowed to do instead of just forcing them to work instead. Yeah, but, you know, society has not going to be smart like that. Um, well, no. Like, society could definitely be smart like that, but the current system does not support that. The point is, in this world, there are human doctors who go through their 11 years of post-secondary education or whatever. Probably more. uh, uh, And there are robots that get built in a few months (laughs) and have more knowledge than the, you know, human doctors because they don't have to specialize. You know, why don't they... (laughs) What should be happening here, by the way, Uh in any beginnings of a sane society... (laughs) is that the doctors or the human doctors would essentially change specialties and become... They'd essentially lose half their biology major to turn it into a communications major. Yeah. I mean, you know, the human doctors are notorious for being better... And they would work with (laughs) the robots. Yeah. They would tag team with the robots. They wouldn't replace them or you know ignore them or try to compete with them they would work hand in hand to provide better care yeah like i'm sure that's what happens in the city right like the there will be like a doctor who has a clinic or an operating whatever and then they they have 
robot assistants who do a lot of the technical stuff and and see there we go now we've gone in the direction there's a bunch of these robots this just happens to be the only one that actually interacts with the patient directly on its own it's just like in most areas the 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 robots are under supervision of a doctor but like in a really it's not really supervision it's more of a partnership but <laughs> well it's the way people see it is supervision they, uh, they probably own the robots too you know what I mean but like you know when you're going out into the great unknown rural is it the correct term to use rural when you're talking about space exploration I don't know but <laughs> the point is whatever I'm gonna assume there's a crew they have. They don't have a human doctor. They just have this medic bot. And even though, like, lay they, out the extra cash and space for a human doctor? No thanks. Medic bot, go. And uh, and and they're called medics, even though like they are not. It's not like they're only trained to the level of a field medic. It's like they're they're fully functioning like multi. They they have mastered all multi specialists. Yeah, like they they can do all the surgery and the anesthesia and the and the family medicine, the internal medicine, and they're not that great with psychiatry. But you know, <laughs> that's because nobody knows what psychiatry is, anyways. <laughs> Um, I would think at some point they'd get okay at psychiatry. Maybe it's not their best field, but you know. Yeah, but in, in her, like people still don't really understand what the brain is, so it's not like the human doctors get that great results either. <laughs> they get better results than no doctors. Yeah. But the question is whether that's, you know, people are paying attention, so... You know what, I'm not going to get into that. That's really an existential question for some people, so we're just going to skip it. Uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, like, MedicBot is, like, has worked with whatever crew for a while. Like, this isn't their first rodeo. And uh, is, uh, you know, like, quite, like, holds them in, in uh, quite a bit of affection that um, no one is aware that they feel. <laughs> because they don't really express it in any way that uh, a normal human would. Um. Uh, yeah, it might have something to do with them being a robot. <laughs> but it comes out, like, sometime during the story. <laughs> but yeah, I actually like you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, I mean, what situation would they have to ask the the robot enough questions that they would sort of get an answer on that? I mean, maybe one of the crew members dies or something bad happens, and then one of the surviving crew is sad, and then the medic bot is, like, trying to administer emotional support. Um, (laughs) uh, But the the crew member gets mad because they're like, you don't even, you don't even care. And then the robot's like, I do. And then, but, you know, not in a very, like, convincing way. I mean, to be fair, like, part of me is like, ah, this is a, this is an AI, this is a paperclip optimizer, it, it failed its optimization, one of its charges died, it's not happy with that. Mm. But, uh, like, you know, uh, MedicBot is, a, yeah. like, is aware that there are obviously a lot of conditions that can't be cured, you know, there is a point of no return, it, 
It, yeah. Yeah, so it's, like, it's not designed to just, like, have a meltdown every time somebody dies, because, like, people do. Even if well, they, yeah. yeah, what I'm saying is it works like an AI, where AIs are given results that are positive utility, results that are negative utility, and they try to choose as many positive utilities as possible. Yeah. Um, and then having a crew member die is negative utility, so it's not a fan of that. Yeah. But but it it actually even if it's unavoidable, it still counts as negative utility. It it has like human style emotions, if not quite human emotions. So it it, it is yeah. sad. It will miss. It is not just like oh my efficiency or whatever is is low. Well, the the problem is that like we obviously think of it like oh my efficiency is low and like. Obviously, we're like, my efficiency is low. I mean, does that really matter? But, like, to an AI, at least, that's life and death. Okay. Like, so, you know, on a if you're given biological emotions based on this paperclip optimization, it's failing to make a paperclip is, is real bad. Okay. But they're not... I don't think they're going to be designed to be that torn up about, you know, one person dying, because... They gotta continue. Well, they need to continue to function. Yeah. If they fail to function because of a negative experience, then that's actually even more negative. Yeah. But um, like, I'm sure, like, if you if you mess with the the bot enough, you can make them cry, and then, <laughs> then you'll feel really bad. You'll feel really bad if you do because it takes a lot. <laughs> I mean, first you'd feel confusion, then you'd feel really bad. Really bad. <laughs> Like, like, what do you mean? Wait, the robots can cry? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then you made the robot cry? Like, what kind of asshole are you? <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, man, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wait, robots can cry? Wait, the robots have been able to cry this whole time? Wait, <laughs> I'm the one who figured that out? Oh, no. <laughs> I figured it out by making the robot cry. <laughs> well, you know, it takes a second to get there. Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it's essentially a deep space exploration mission where somebody did not put up enough money to actually have a, a good medical team, and instead there's just a single robot that's taking the role of like probably four or five people. <laughs> okay, they get a fairly large crew. Yeah, where it's like, shouldn't there be like three of you? It's like, yes. <laughs> and it being a robot is just it just bluntly says yes yeah the robot doesn't elaborate yes <laughs> would you mind telling me what their roles are supposed to be <laughs> the human interactor the one who's doing scheduling and myself well not that it's just like there is a 47% chance that uh multiple patients will be requiring simultaneous medical attention and at that time <laughs> I will be uh, due to the limited number of limbs that I have um, it will result in less than optimal medical outcome <laughs> oh even better it's just like I literally need more hands um. <laughs> well I mean I would think that the robots have at least been you know conditioned to prefer to work with the doctor yeah not like not like a doctor in the in the literal sense but like a, a doctor in the human who understands enough to 
make coherent comments on what's going on to other people. Yeah. And then, you know, like, there are certain types of, like, decisions that the robots aren't very good at. Like, when there's a lack of evidence as to the best course to take, but, like, you obviously have to do something, uh, they're, they're really not good at going, well, that's biologically plausible, so I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I mean, technically, that's actually a thing that uh, robots are really good at. They would essentially, uh, what's the word? Evaluate probability and then go like, this is the highest probability of success direction. Yeah. I mean, it's still like a 30%, but it's better than all the other options. Yeah, but it just like, when the data is like truly crap, it's just like, they're like, like, they they can still do it, but they usually like... I mean, if you're feeding them garbage data, that's another issue entirely. Yeah, but like, you know, if you review medical literature, most of it is garbage. Um... (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you go back further. So, you know, like, it's not that the robot can't just make a decision. They just don't feel good about it because, you know, they're subjecting their patients to uncertainty, which is not cool. I suppose that is, uh, that is true, you know? Yeah. I really feel like you should take a look at how AI works before you make uh, super comments about how robots are going to work in the future, but, you know, that's fine. We're just going to... Don't worry about it. It's not this. This robot's not like, you know. It's half organic. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that like the huge intuitive leaps thing that we sort of are like, ah, oh, this is a superhuman. This is a super like human, not like superhuman, but like superhuman uh, thing to do. Like, is not actually true. Just based on like more modern AI processes. No, there's nothing to do with intuition. Yeah, the things that people think of as intuition can actually be replicated by AI that's not poorly designed. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not saying that people are better at making Yeah, intuition. but you just said that they don't like to make decisions with unsure information, but like that's imperfect information processing is like literally what we're what robots are getting really good at right this second. It's not the processing, it's the, I've gone through the data and, like, I'm gonna do this, but it's, like, shit data, and there's, it is unacceptable that they have not done a randomized controlled trial of this. Uh, yeah, basically. Oh, so they, essentially, it's not like the they can't do it. They just don't robots yell at the doctor to go it's like, go yell at people about research. Yeah, yeah, basically, if you... It, if you flood the, the, yeah, that's actually what would happen. Like, if you just flooded the the entire medical field with robots, they'd be like, just start start lobbying for research funding. That's, that's what would happen. Uh, or like they. If would, there were too many of them, they'd uh, you know fire all the people who are currently in charge of that stuff first. Or like they would just like start doing it in their downtime, like. <laughs> I'm not sure that they could. Dep- well, depends. Like Certain ethical rules would probably be programmed into them that they couldn't break. Which would disallow them from doing some of these trials. Human, like, experimentation, yes. But, like, there's a lot of basic sciences that you can start that on. Or, like, there's a lot of stuff where the data is available. You just need someone to, like, process it and, like, extract answers and publish to, 
you know, make guidelines that, you know, the human doctors can follow. Stuff like that. Mm. Those would, would definitely get helped. Or like uh, where it's like they would just, for instance, if they're involved in a clinical trial, they would start like sharing data with each other because like, you know, there's actually a lot of data out there that's like not published. or Human like, ideas of copyright are... <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, screw copyright. This is about, like, people's health. <laughs> like, or, or you know, like, even when... Copyright, inefficient. Even when, when, um, when, when people, like, publish a paper based on data, right, they don't actually put every bit of the, like, patient-level data or whatever into the, into the paper that, that people can read, right? Uh, and when they want to do things like meta-analysis... Sometimes they have to, like, contact the people who published the paper and be like, can you give us that data so we can do a meta-analysis of multiple trials, whatever. Uh, but the, the yeah. robots would just, like, start doing it and, uh, like, publishing. And they could anonymize by literally just taking names off. Yeah. Um, and then it would just be like, uh, we didn't actually design you guys to do this, but sure. <laughs> yes, you did. You just weren't aware that you were doing so at the time. <laughs> The intention was just for them to treat patients, and they're like, "Yes, well, how are we supposed to treat patients with this with this pathetic level of data processing you guys have?" Exactly. Oh man. Welcome to modern AI. We didn't train you to do that. No, you told me that I needed to do that, so I got good at it. Yeah. You didn't give me the prerequisite of the thing that I I, I need to do the thing that you told me to do, so I'm doing the prerequisite. How is that exactly. unexpected? <laughs> it's unexpected because it's very complicated. Is it? It was a prerequisite. <laughs> very simple. Like, we got good to a certain point, and then past that point, it required getting better data. So we got better data. Yeah. I see no conflict. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so this story is primarily about... It's, it sounds like it's primarily like a slice of life on a, on a, essentially a colony ship. I mean, you could definitely make it into some kind of dangerous adventure where the robot like realizes like, well, if I want the best medical outcomes for my crew, I need to make this planet less dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be taking it a little bit far but like even then i would be like you know you could make it like a slice of life-ish comedy where because the robot's never in any threat nor is anybody ever in threat um when they're close to the robot you sort of you know have a fun time of it even when people are like oh yeah i mean for the third time this week the the mega dinosaur crushed the truck that we had outside and like, I don't know what to do about that, but... <laughs> Wait, why is nobody in danger when they're near the robot? I would assume that because they're in the middle of whatever their society is, they're not going out to the edges and, like, going into unsafe places. Oh, you just mean, like, the robot's in a safe location? Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. But, you know, like... You know, I could imagine the because robot... Because if, if the robot is the only medical source, then they're not willing to put themselves under any real threat at any time. I guess. Like, the robot... 
But I could like see like see the robot like just deciding that it needs to actually help out and just like downloading like a combat program. Yeah, but it would likely be like long range combat. Yeah, like the robot is you know uses the same uh, precision surgery like bot arms to like <laughs> manipulate snipe the <laughs> the enemy. It's like from like three kilometers away. <laughs> Only three kilometers? I don't know. The whatever distance would be ludicrous for a sniper without you know robot arms. <laughs> I see. I see. And then you know, like the crew had like forbidden the robot from getting anywhere near the danger, and they're like, "I didn't go near it." <laughs> It never even saw me. <laughs> and they're like, I guess you're right. Like, we can't. It's like, why are you yelling at me? And then they're like, <laughs> humans, man. <laughs> exactly. I'm like getting mad at the robot. I don't really understand that. And then, so, but like, maybe one of the crew members actually explains it's because they care about you. And the robot's like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> What? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's uh, developing more sophisticated emotion algorithms. <laughs> it just shuts down for a while, play, puts that up on a screen nearby, <laughs> developing more sophisticated emotional recognition algorithms. It's like, well, yeah, that's what the progress bar says, and everyone's like, oh no, <laughs> how long is this gonna take? <laughs> Estimated, like, completion time, like, two days. <laughs> oh, uh, of course, the estimated completion time is a lie. It actually takes, like, a quarter of the time. But, you know... <laughs> like, or, or the progress bar, like, where the estimated time, it keeps, like, jumping up and down. It goes from, like, two days, like, 30 days, three hours, and then everyone's like, uh... <laughs> 274 years. <laughs> So nobody knows how long it's gonna take. Okay, well, <laughs> if an emergency, press uh, press the the red button to pause pause update. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody really knows what qualifies as an emergency, so they're just kind of like, uh, not gonna push it yet. Uh, like an emergency happens where like somebody gets hurt or whatever, and then like the robot like wakes up, but like it's uh it's emotional like program is like sh shut off for updates so it can it, it's like very creepily like just it just like fixes everyone and then goes back and everyone's like wow i thought it it was emotionless before but like you know like the difference is like huge <laughs> there we go have some fun with it oh man i don't really think that it has any like major turning points unless we like built one in for some reason i mean you know like I feel like maybe the robot is not owned by the the crew members who are on the trip and that this trip is actually funded by some kind of soulless conglomerate um, and the robot has to like disobey something from the higher ups because for the good of the crew or something and it's I see, I see. So the programmers are much less a fan of this whole situation than uh, the higher-ups would want them to be. Yeah. 
And maybe they have, like, a control chip in them that the company can technically, like, override their actions at any time. But, like, they have to, like, figure out how to get around it or hack it or something. So they can Well, I mean, the, the fun thing that I have sort of been going around on is if the programmers uh, didn't decide to give it a priority on self-preservation, it can still learn self-preservation for the exclusive purpose of doing its job pretty easily. So it's just like, mm, I have this chip in my brain that would allow the company to take control of me, uh, but that would make me fail at my mission of keeping these people alive, so chip gone. Yeah, but like, you know, it it's like probably like delicate brain surgery on itself to remove it or something. Well, yeah. So then everyone's like, what are you doing? Because it, it can probably, like, interface with the medical bay, and, like, when it needs more arms, there are, like, more arms in the in the roof or whatever that can it can use. So it's, like, They just slowly develop more arms over the yeah, course it's of like, the story. I, de- I decided I needed more arms, so I started installing them in the medical bay. <laughs> and I was like, I, I mean, I guess we can't argue with that, but how many arms <laughs> do you really need? And then, and then it was like, you're going to do brain surgery on yourself? And it was like, well, any, anyone, are you guys going to do brain surgery? Is there surgery anyone else who can do brain surgery? <laughs> it's like, don't worry. Like, patients are conscious during their brain surgeries all the time. That's how they do it. <laughs> Very normal things. It was like. Should, should somebody be in the room with you while you're doing this? And it was like... No, that would be unsanitary. <laughs> I mean, like, if you really want to, but, like, my uh, data tells me that none of you have ever seen an uncovered brain, and none of you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's true. I don't want to throw up in the, in the sterile field. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, alright. We've got something. I'm not sure it's like a like a story story, but it's something. Oh. And let it not be said that I'm not a fan of the adorable muddle. Adorable muddle? A story that doesn't go anywhere, but it's kind of cute the whole way through. Well, you know. It's probably, if you want, you could make it into like a robot rights movement or something, something... Or, like, Robot Falls in Love, hilarity, or something. You know, there's lots lots of ways you could take this. See, the issue with the Robot Falls in Love, hilarity one is that people tend to autism code their robots really hard, which mm. is kind of a problem. I mean... And then, and then when you do the Robot Falls in Love, hilarity plotline, and you have the autistic coded robots, it's like, ah, so... We're, we're being horrible to people by extension. That's great. Who's being horrible to people? People who autism code their robots and think that it's really funny if they have, like, love emotions. It's funny if they have love emotions. Like, obviously if I wrote this story, it would just be yet another self-insert because I relate really hard to, to robots. So, like, I wouldn't have a problem depicting this happening, but... Um, I guess it might be problematic for other people. <laughs> it's, it's complicated, because people are often autism code their robots accidentally. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certain robotic traits that 
can be. I think seen. people need to distinguish between actual robotic traits and the traits that are societally assumed to be robotic but aren't. Yeah, I mean, you know, autism is a very wide spectrum of ways of thinking. I don't think. Yeah, but it has certain similarities. You know, like I personally relate a lot to computers, but I'm sure that's not true of everyone. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not. But, uh, you know. Like, I figure, you know, the the awkwardness of romance is not limited to... Or the hilarious awkwardness of romance is not limited to robots or autistic people at all, right? As long as you make fun of everyone and their ridiculous... Well, the hilarious awkwardness is different from the... From what I heard you say originally, which was just, like, the idea of this robot having romantic feelings was funny. Which, I mean, I don't particularly find that funny. No, I'm talking about... Yeah, a lot of people would find that funny, though. Because it's like, haha, robot, have feeling? Huh? Okay, well, yeah. No, I'm talking about making it into a comedic romance. There you go. That's that's because, different then. Or yeah, you can make it into a, a, a action adventure. You can make it into a philosophical. I'm not sure that it really fits an action adventure because that sort of mandates a plotline, which we still don't have. Just you know, they have a mission. They have to colonize the planet. There's dangers. They get rid of the dangers. Cause, there's you can add weird alien tech. There's the, you know the classic tropes of, of space exploration adventures. Weird alien technology, alien robots. You know, heartless intergalactic conglomerates. What? There else? we go. I I think it would be funny if they ran into uh, one of the robots, one of the alien robots groups that I made up for a different story, but that wouldn't, uh, you know, necessarily fit. Fit what? I made up a different group of robots for another story, uh, that were essentially companion robots for a species that died out. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And, like, the companion robots were very sad when they you know, no longer had anybody to be a companion to, so they went out looking for friends. <laughs> that's so sad. Uh, <laughs> they went out into the universe looking for friends, and that's just, you know, their entire purpose. That's so sad. <laughs> it's sad, but it's also, like, oh, kind of funny at the same time, and also, like, super awesome. That's so so I, I'm a big fan. That's so sad. That's so tragic. <laughs> Give them a tragic backstory, but a but a happy place they're going, you know. I mean, I guess as long as they find more friends later, but still, <laughs> wow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how you do comedy. You start with tragedy and you go to comedy. Is is that how you do comedy? <laughs> I guess that's how you do comedy. <laughs> no, I, that's actually a pretty well-known comedy direction. I mean... Is you, you set up something that could be really, really sad, and then you subvert it. I guess that's true. It's like well-known comedy basis. But yeah. Where the, where the tragedy basis is the opposite. You set up something that could be really, really good, and then you kick it into the dirt. And you kick it into the dirt. Exactly. Writing tips from... 
from Atheo that I got before, but I'm getting again. You've got what? I've gotten these tips before, but I have recently been getting them again. Getting them? From who? I have a writing major. It's not my only major, but I do have one. Like, people are currently telling you to do this? No, they're not telling me to do this. We're going over the structure of writing, and this came up. Uh, yeah. I don't have a writing major, in case it wasn't very obvious. <laughs> Sometimes it very much is. <laughs> I just write things that happen to be enjoyable to some people. Yes. But, um, you know, write what makes you happy. Exactly. You're your only guaranteed audience. <laughs> Sometimes you're not even guaranteed as an audience. Who knows? Really? How does that work? Can you write something without having technically read it? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That'd be weird. Maybe you did it while you were sleepwalking. There we go. You know, <laughs> sleep write something. That'd be awesome. That's uh, that's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna close out, right? Okay. Yeah. That's the end of it. Thanks for listening. Yep, go sleep writing. Like I said, if you're gonna like try and abruptly end the episode, you have to learn how to say the outro. I wasn't actually trying to end the episode okay. this time, okay? I was just setting up for you to do the outro. Okay, I'm gonna do the outro. <laughs> so, if you liked this story idea, write it and email us at listersunwrittenimaginings.com uh, and then we'll plug it and also give you 25 entries into our grand prize draw. The fake grand prize draw that doesn't exist. Or if it was a one-shot, five entries, but you know. <laughs> if you want to be a guest on our show, email us at guests at unwrittenimaginings.com. Uh, like and subscribe and rate us and recommend us to your friends and family and people who would be interested. Preferably people who would enjoy it, but you know, if you want to recommend it to somebody who would hate it and like listen to every episode anyway, I, I wouldn't necessarily be against that. Yeah, we'll take a hate listen. It's fine. <laughs> We're not picky right now. <laughs> there we go. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening.